0: Why did a skeleton, bird, and a fish walk into a tavern?
1: I don't know. Why?
0: (laughs) To kill everyone.
1: Oh.
2: Guild trip. That's guild with a D. A fancy podcast. New episodes
0: every other Thursday.
2: The hero's journey you didn't want to go on, but then you were guilted into anyway. This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd.
1: Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to
2: episode 619 of the 200 Nerd Comic Book Podcast. I just want to see how high I could go. My name
0: is Matt Baum, and I'm your head number one. It's not that high, to be honest, Matt. You that weren't re- you really weren't I was, up there, I was nah, up there, dude. Nah, nah. Uh, I'm head number two, the Internet's Joe Patrick. Today on the show, it's time again for new comic reviews from the past few weeks, and then we'll wrap up out our must-read comics for next week's pile.
2: And finally, take a look. It's in a book club is back. And we're talking about Jupiter's Legacy, number one, just in time for the Netflix premiere of Jupiter's Legacy this Friday. With a little help from the newly relocated stately Lord Fungus. Folks, he lives. We couldn't kill him if we wanted to. So watch your hands, damn it, before you go grabbing your new comics because it's review
0: time in the cigarette. This week's stack features new mutant religions, flooded New York's evil in the streets of Nowlands, and 14-year-olds getting their asses kicked. Matt, start us off here.
2: Speaking of 14-year-olds getting their asses kicked, my first review is Robin, number one, from DC. This was written by Joshua Williamson with art by Gleb Melnikov. Robin has left Batman behind, faced his mother, Talia al Ghul, and discovered the League of Lazarus, and their secret fighting tournament to crown the greatest fighter in the world. What better way to prove yourself to the world's greatest detective and the daughter of the demon? Robin beats Bane's dad, Kingsnake, in a qualifying match, and he's whisked off to the secret island to meet other fighters where the cockiest Robin ever is about to meet his match. Kingsnake, by the way, looking pretty good for his age. Doesn't look bad at all. He old. Yeah. Williamson is having fun here, writing a very formulaic kung fu tournament reminiscent of Enter the Dragon and Bloodsport with fantastic cinematic animated art by Melnikov, complete with two pages in classic manga style that really took me by surprise. I loved that, by the way. This comic looks amazing, and it gives Damien something to do for a change rather than just being a snarky bat sidekick. Nothing gets me going like a great last page. And let me tell you, this one was a doozy. I'm giving this a huge buy it. I'm super excited for this Robin series.
0: Yeah, I really liked it, too. Uh, like, I I, I still don't love Robin's new outfit. I just don't. I'm uh, sorry. I like uh, it. I, I, I just don't. The red like and black. It. Um, I dig it, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with him changing it up, and I like the color scheme. You know, the black and gray and red—that's all fine. Well, Tim's but wearing the, actual, the other one
2: right like, now, right?
0: Tim's wearing—he's got his the, own costume. Oh, yeah,
2: I thought it, I thought he's wearing like the straight up sort of like Robin costume he used to wear again.
0: It's kind of—I mean, it's similar. Right? Yeah,
2: it's the yellow, and it's got—I mean, it's got the collar he used to wear and stuff.
0: Yeah, it right, but like that was not Damien's costume. You know, no, he I'm had not, his own spin I'm, on it.
2: Yeah, no, I'm just saying the color scheme, basically.
0: Oh, well, I mean, Tim's costume is still very much red, green, you know, it's still bright colors with the black cape, right? Um, but uh, so I'm fine with Damien having this kind of darker look to him, and I think that the color palette is cool. Uh, I just the design of it it doesn't thrill me, regardless. Uh, I thought this was super fun. Uh, I really like uh Gleb's art, and that two that uh, couple panels of uh black and white traditional manga. Uh, that they inserted in the middle, it caught me off guard, and I was like, "Oh, that's fun! Good job!" Like, cool as hell. Th- that was a a, a really fun uh, way to kind of add a little bit of um, visual interest to the book. Um, I love Damien uh, Connor Hawk is here somewhere, as we know from the uh, lead in the prequel story from uh, the Bat books.
2: He better not be evil. I'm gonna be upset if he's evil.
0: He has not. He did not make his know, presence know. known he's in this saying, issue.
2: I don't want it. Do not want i know i know
0: um but i (laughs) love my favorite scene in the book was when uh damien shows up on the island or wherever the hell it is and there are all of the uh contenders standing around the docks like they're just milling around right and you've got Ravager, who we know, and we've got you see some other uh you see some other peeps that we know from like the Nightwing book and uh the old Nightwing series by Chuck Dixon and uh things like that. But then there's this new character <laughs> named Respawn, and she looks exactly like Deathstroke and Ravager, and Robin says nice copyright infringement. <laughs> yeah, it was which good. really made me laugh. Yeah. Um, cause like, it's like, they're not even trying to hide how dumb looking this character is. Yeah.
2: It's great. Um,
0: but, uh, yeah, I really thought this was a ton of fun. It's a buy it for me. The art is great. And I'm, uh, you know, we've talked about it before. We were going to do a top five on it. Uh, we love our fighting tournaments and comics. Yeah. We love
1: them. First up for me is way of X number one from
0: Marvel. This actually came out on what month is it? April 21st. Yikes. It was 3 weeks ago. Simon Spurrier joins the ranks of the Hawks, Pox, Docs, Rocks riding team for a series that's been brewing ever since Hickman's relaunch of the franchise began. That's House of X, Powers of 10, Dawn of X, Reign of X for those of you not in the know. As the months have progressed, surely you the reader have noticed that things can get weird, bordering on nightmarish on Krakoa. You know who else noticed? the X-Men's resident conscience, Nightcrawler. With Resurrection ensuring that most mutants, not all, can cheat death indefinitely, an almost cult-like atmosphere has come to the island with young mutants thinking it's cool to throw away their lives as some kind of rite of passage. It's even gotten to the point where they're they're like peer-pressuring their friends like you haven't died yet you gotta die you ain't in the club unless you die
2: it was kind of weird it was almost like that that momo challenge that went around for a while sure (laughs) but like that's the point right it's
0: supposed to not be good it's supposed to be weird and bad there's even a grotesque gladiatorial ceremony where mutants that were depowered on m-day are more or less ritually slaughtered so they can be resurrected with their gifts restored As a devout man of faith, this behavior obviously weighs heavily on Nightcrawler, and he's struggling to find his place and purpose on Krakoa. Luckily, there's a bizarre boogeyman called the Patchwork Man wandering the island, but is he more than a scary story the kids tell each other? Spoiler alert, yes. I found the themes that uh, Spurrier explored in this issue fascinating. And I've been waiting for someone to address them since the new mutant status quo was established. Like from the from the jump when they were like, no death. No psychics, please. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, We've hidden our most powerful member in a psychic proof bubble that nobody can get in and out of. Uh, Yeah, it's like, oh, boy, no, things
2: are not good. We can have psychics. We just can't have people that can like read the future. Uh,
0: Right. Right. No. uh, Yes. Pardon me. Yeah. Yeah. No. No precogs. Yeah. Precogs. Yeah. Um, But yeah, they've got Moira holed up in this like complete like a panic room, basically, that nobody, no psychic can penetrate. Nobody can get in and out of the no place. Right. Uh, And from the second they established that, I was like, okay, something is not good here on Krakoa. And I can't wait to find out what it is. And here we go. Spurrier's grasp on Kurt's character is really strong and you can feel how uneasy he is through Spurrier's dialogue and his inclusion of Dr. Nemesis in the cast made for some must read text pages. I can't handle some the mushrooms
2: the- on the head. I can't handle it. Oh, I love it. I love it's it. It's too body it so horror much. for me. It's like, I have goosebumps thinking about it. I don't like it. <laughs> and then he like peeled
0: one off and gave it to someone. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. Like, a lot of times when I'm reading these books, especially if I'm binging them when I'm behind, I kind of gloss over the text pages. But these, especially the ones that were written by Dr. Nemesis, were amazing. Amazing. Bob Q. Quinn is on art here, and he does a phenomenal job. Everything about the way he portrays Nightcrawler screams acrobat, and his art is dynamic both in and out of action. Way of X, number one, is my favorite new X title to launch in... Quite some time. Uh, I can't remember the last one I enjoyed as much as this. Like, I thought X-Factor was fine. I thought Hellions was fun. But this really pushed all my buttons. And it's a must-read book. If you've been wondering when things would start to go horribly wrong on Krakoa like me, I'm giving it a buy-it. I don't... Okay. I don't necessarily think
2: things have gone horribly wrong yet, but we do need to ask the some. The cracks are starting to show. We need to ask some questions. And I think Nightcrawler is a good character to ask these questions. And I like that Spurrier is using him in that way. Maybe it's just because all those questions are being asked here and nobody else seems to be asking them. It took me off guard a little bit. I very much like this. I See, did and think. And that's. Oh, sorry. You go yeah, ahead. This, is my, and this is my turn. This is my turn. I understand. <laughs> but it's a, point, it's a point counterpoint. So you go ahead. No, and I got I, will... I did think Quinn was good on art. But there were some panels where I felt like he made Nightcrawler look very young. almost. Oh, I don't agree. Almost ex babyish in his it's face. It's not like maybe. he's an old man or anything. I mean, I know that, but he's older than all these kids, and he looked younger than some of them that he was on this team with when they mm. go out and one of them willfully gets himself killed. And the more I thought about that, the more I thought, like, yeah, we've seen, like, kids on the internet doing Tide Pod challenges and shit. Why wouldn't these kids be like, yeah, it's cool to chase that clout, bro. Yeah, it's cool to get yourself killed because you can just be reborn. And if you can be reborn, does that mean none of us have souls? You know, like questions like that. And Kurt's a good character to ask those questions being as he is a Catholic and has identified as one for a long time. So I think this is going to go to an interesting place. And I like Spurrier. This issue, maybe it was a little too long at 42 pages. Maybe it was, it a, was long. Yeah. Maybe it was a yep. little too long. Extra long. And they could have just done, and look, I like a long comic book. Don't get me wrong. But I think this is one where they could have just sort of posed the question and maybe waited on that other thing with the, what was it called? The patchwork man. The patchwork like man. I think maybe they could have waited on that and introduced it because it didn't do much for the questions they were asking. You just introduced this other thing. But I like, it. yeah, it I'm does kind of seems
0: it does seem separate from the thematic.
2: Yeah, it felt uh, a little the thematic, on. the themes of the book. Now, I have a feeling it will tie into the theme of the book, and that's why it's introduced here, I'm sure. But yeah, it felt a little tacked on. And I think they could have waited to do that in issue two. Maybe I'm giving it a buy. I did like it.
1: It just sure. hasn't nailed me yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. My next review is of Shadow Man, number one, from Valiant. This was also from last week.
2: This was written by Cullen Bunn with art by John Davis Hunt, who formerly worked on 2000 AD and The Wild Storm. I couldn't place yeah, the name. The, where I saw that name. I had to look it up. Shadow Man returns for his sixth series, and this time, he's got a proven horror writer in Cullen Bunn. Think Doctor Strange meets Spawn, and you have Shadow Man. For years, he's tried to walk the superhero horror line that most writers just can't pull off. The book always ended up watered down on both fronts or a little too heavy on one and not the other. Now, Bunn seems to be the perfect writer for musician by day, Jack Boniface, who becomes Shadow Man to defend New Orleans from the dead side and its inhabitants by night. Here, the Shadow Man is shutting down a murder party held by a high-society occult tourist group looking to visit the dead side. Bun's script is sort of light on the character introduction, but it gets the point across instantly, and he's got to be thrilled to have an artist on the level of JDH working on this. The comic opens with Shadow Man fighting a demon in the French Quarter that looks horrifying, but we quickly learn there's more to this demon's story. The art was just amazing. It was gross. It was sometimes hard to look at, thanks to the body horror talents of Hunt's detailed pencils. This is a great new start for the character. And I've always been interested in Shadow Man, but I admit I've never really stuck with the title. I'm going to give this a solid read. I think this is a great use for Bun's talent on both superhero titles and horror. I'm giving it a
1: buy
0: Yeah, I agree. I thought this was really good. Uh, Shadow Man, you know, Shadow Man doesn't really do it for me. I I don't I'm not that interested in the character, but this was really well done. And I think it's very well suited to uh, Cullen Bunn's strengths as a writer. It's Shadow
2: Man is one of those books that can get so stuck in like the voodoo. And the lore, and we're constantly trying well, to explain, I mean, like that. well, this character—he really bad from the bayou, and did it. like right, okay, hey, now, I
0: get it. Dial it, <laughs> dial it back there, Cotton Eye Joe. Uh, yeah, it's uh, uh it's. I agree, uh, but that is the character, right? The 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 voodoo culture is part of the character. So when you say Doctor Strange meets Spawn, my first thought was like, no. It's Brother Voodoo meets Pawn.
2: Yeah, but nobody knows and who Brother Voodoo is, so I'm trying to throw out Some people listening to this show know who Brother Voodoo is. <laughs> I bet a lot don't. Yeah. Lot,
0: though. And uh, anyway, I, I, yeah, I thought the writing was very strong. I thought that the art was phenomenal. It's it's super he's gross. He's so good. And he's, uh, he's uh, yeah. even like... John he, Davison is a huge talent.
2: His style is even improved from just working on The Wild Storm. Like here, mm-hmm. it's even more detailed. And man, he looks good.
1: Yeah. Totally agree. It's a buy it from me.
0: My next review is of the Marvel's number one from Marvel. This came out last Wednesday. Anyone, anywhere, anytime. That is the tagline for the new ongoing series from writer Kurt Busiek and artist Yildre Sinar. The premise is simpler than it sounds. The Marvel's is not a team book. Rather, it's a series with the entire Marvel Universe as its playground.
2: I could not wrap my head around
0: this. (laughs) It's not hard, man. Multiple story threads and time periods, as well as characters old and new, will be interwoven. Some of them will come together. Some of them will never even meet. But all of them will serve the overall plot. As the solicit says, this first issue includes an invasion from orbit, a picnic in Prospect Park, superhero sightseeing in manhattan the all-winner squad in 1947 reed richards and ben grimm during their time in military intelligence and cosmic beings beyond space and time in the backup story we're also introduced to kevin schumer a man with mysterious connections who also gives superhero tours of manhattan in an old fantastic car covered in graffiti Uh, he also carries like Ant Man's old jetpack and a gun, like a ray gun that used to belong to the Zodiac organization. So he's got these like superhero uh, knickknacks that he uses to protect himself. Right. Kevin's prominence in the issue makes it clear that he'll be a major player in the overall story. Uh, Busiek and Sinar deliver solid superhero dialogue and art in a timeless style. And while the multiple plot lines do threaten to be confusing and they have overwhelmed some readers, yes. The UCA does a great job tying them together. They all kind of take place either in or uh, around this. Asian country that keeps going through various wars and regime changes. So the name of the country is slightly different every time we come back to it. I thought it was pretty cool.
2: There's even a little Sin Kong Manhattan.
0: <laughs> yeah, I thought that was fun. It's fun. It's not Chinatown, it's little Sin Kong. <laughs> I mean, there's a Chinatown, dude. When I first heard about this, I thought it sounded like the terrible Secret Defenders series from the 90s. But The Marvels offers a lot more than an excuse to throw popular 90s characters together for no reason, and also Dr. Druid, because why not? Sure. That was that book's MO. I'm giving this a buy it. I thought it was really great. I I guess I just don't know. I want you to abstain from reviewing this book. I guess I just don't know where they're going to
2: go with this, is where I'm at. And it, it felt very classic, I'll give you that. And, like, there was... You can see that they're having fun doing some stuff. Sinar is definitely drawing in a very sort of classic superhero look that isn't necessarily a huge departure for him, but it is different. You can tell he's working it a bit. I just didn't love it. I don't know. I felt like it jumped around a lot. I did get a little lost in some points. I don't really understand what's happening with the second story, with, like, the Kashum and the younger people and stuff like that. I... And there just wasn't enough to pull me in to anything, I guess. I think
0: that's the point, though. The point of the book is that you're going to see all these things and then watch them come together. I suppose, that's but you got to
2: grab me with issue one, and this didn't grab me. I'm giving it a skim it. I, I Do I think it was terrible? No, I just don't know what it is, and it didn't grab me. I'm giving this a skimmit.
0: That's because you didn't pay attention when you read it, and I stand by that statement. I,
2: I paid attention. I just did not love it.
0: Did you? When does the Daredevil story take place?
2: 12, 12 years ago, apparently.
0: When does the Reed Richards story take place?
2: Seventeen years ago. I mean, I know they keep updating this shit. How
0: whatever, long was but... seventeen? How long is it, how, Matt? Pardon me. It's twenty
2: twenty one. Oh, you're right. So he was in the military in like the late, in the early two thousands. <laughs> like, I know
0: they keep updating this stuff, but come on, that's comics,
2: baby. <laughs> what do you want him to do? Just do the DC. Everybody's been here forever, and we don't age thing. You know that that works fine for that,
0: me. Yeah, that's working out great for yeah. him right now. As we struggle to understand what the hell. The infinite frontier
1: is <laughs> up next for me is The Good Asian, number one from Image. This is written by PornSec
2: Pitchachote with art by Alexandre Tefengi. And I know I said that wrong, there's no way I said
0: that <laughs> I was right without a doubt, and without I apologize.
2: A doubt. 1936, San Francisco, the United States is still upholding a 50-year ban on Chinese immigrants that was stretched to include Asians and Arabs back in 1924, and Edison Hark, a self-loathing Chinese detective with an eye for detail and a police badge he earned in Hawaii, which was the only state that would allow Asian policemen at the time, and that's true, is on the trail of a dame to help his adopted family. Pitchett Shote calls the story, Chinatown noir, and I really can't think of a better way to describe it. This, this has all the charm of a Mickey Spillane tale, but it's set in a little talked-about America that was deeply racist towards Asians. I had no idea there was a 50 year ban on Asian immigration or that the United States didn't have an Asian police detective until 1957. But thanks to the writer peppering this mystery with historical fact, I do now. And it works really well to sell this story. Uh, Sidebar, I'm also watching Warrior right now on HBO Max or whatever. It is an excellent show that is also loosely based in historical fiction. That's a few years before this story but very much built on what happened shortly after that ban and the same racism towards Asian people. Alexandre Tefengi's art is perfect. It is this very minimal, almost classic manga style and a limited color palette. His paneling is excellent, and I love the trick that he does to highlight what Hark is seeing when he's looking for details. This is just an excellent first issue from a fantastic creative team and a great read for any fan of historically inspired crime noir. I can't give this a bigger buy it. It was a pleasant surprise.
0: Oh, I totally agree. I thought this was awesome. I I thought it was so well done. And from such a compelling uh, and shameful uh, time in American history, and I thought the creative team nailed it. They nailed it. I don't really have much to add to what you've already said. I just, I just thought it was so interesting and so well done. Not only is it well done in the, in the sense that it's like a fresh idea, you know, told in an unexpected way, but also it's just a really great noir story. Well, well, it's a really great noir story. The character is also nuanced enough
2: that it's not just like he's an Asian detective in Chinatown. See like, no, He's truly like a self-loathing Chinese person who realizes sure, I had to take on an American name so anybody would respect me. And I have to act like, yeah, these coolies piss me off too, you know, so I can fit in with the cops at times. And I have to do things that I do not like and think are absolutely disgusting to maintain my job and get to what I need actually done. It's really Really well done.
0: Totally agree. 100%.
1: It's a huge buy it for me. This was just great. Next up for me is
0: Marjorie Finnegan, Temporal Criminal number 1. This comes from our good friends, artists, writers, and artisans, a.k.a. AWA, a.k.a. Upshot? We don't know what Upshot means yet. Upshot? Is that a thing? i'm almost certain oh no it was brian domingos brian domingos was tweeting at awa one day when they were like announcing crap and he's like what the hell does upshot mean like it's an, a separate imprint already you know uh and i don't know if they ever answered him <laughs> yeah there's like if you if searching it there's oh, wait a minute,
2: complete guide to the upshot comic universe from awa but it's not like a universe. The right? shared Upshot universe, published by brand Shut new comic up. company AWA Studio, is only months old, but it's already making a name for itself by consistently unleashing books that are surprisingly diverse. Yada yada yada. So apparently, it is a shared
0: universe. There you go.
1: The
0: yeah, four core
2: it. Upshot universe titles: The Resistance, Archangel Eight, Red Border, and Hotel. All launched, and now on-
0: Marjorie Finnegan, the so, temporal criminal.
2: Maybe she has been added. This is an older article I'm reading, but I that mean it is-
0: says Upshot on the cover, so, so
2: there you go. It's part
1: of the Upshot shared universe. That's boy. There you go, boy. All right. Well, just as the title
0: explains, this is about a sassy lass that travels the time stream, stealing artifacts and jewels and riches from the rubes in ancient Egypt or Viking times or what have you. And she has it's, big boobs. Yes. <laughs> uh, she also, yes. Yeah, she also looks like an Amanda Connor drawing and she struts around for most of the issue in a chainmail bikini, like red Sonia. Yep. <laughs> it's true. So yeah, this is a, a Garth Ennis comic and it is the uh, let's call it the cheekier side of garth ennis yeah uh where it's kind of all about the the laughs and but being outrageous right i guess you know it has its place if you're a fan of that sort of thing i think the idea is super fun there's also a temporal uh crime fighting organization run by this hard-nosed lady sheriff that wears a hat and she's got a eye patch. she looks like jonah hex
2: totally and
0: uh i thought she was super cool my favorite scenes in the book uh, she goes back in time to find a former Nazi, if you can ever be a former Nazi, who is giving weapons to these ancient idiots to destroy the invading Vikings. So he's like set them up with a howitzer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: And they are just like... And they keep shooting it. And he's like, okay, guys, guys, guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't don't have to keep doing that.
0: Um, But they are just like shredding Viking boats. And and they like, just for fun, they fire the howitzer at the one lone, one-legged Viking that happens to make it to shore. And he turns into... I don't know. Well, it just like it turns into like it
2: evacuates everything like below his shoulders and above his waist. Basically, his
0: entire torso just floating, floating. (laughs) like
2: head and legs floating there for a minute, and then they fall.
0: (laughs) So it's got a lot of fun ideas. Marjorie's got this uh, disembodied sidekick named Tim, who runs all of her tech. They've got a device uh, that she calls the the unfucker, the unfucker, where uh, so that ensures that it's okay if she just happens to kill a bunch of minor nobodies in the past, because the unfucker will just like slightly shift the timeline so that their history has changed. Right.
2: Like she shoots a guy and they cut to a scene where it's like, Oh nope, he died during auto erotic asphyxiation. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. Which is why I texted Matt about autoerotic asphyxiation earlier today, but we don't need to dwell on that. Yeah. And, and,
2: it's an inside joke no one's gonna get they're just gonna think you were asking me how it works now way to go (laughs) well
0: matt you're the only one i know that would know so
2: it's super easy you just gotta play it cool i'm sure yes you just gotta play it it is
0: the art by the art here is by uh goran suzuka who is a frequent artistic partner of garth ennis i thought the art was very good it's super stylistic and cartoonish very similar like i said to amanda connor uh, but maybe slightly less cheesecakey. However, Marjorie is half naked for almost the entire issue. I thought this was fun. Uh, it has zero depth. None. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? You know, if that's what you're into, that's cool. I'm used to. I like my ennis with a little bit more. Uh, I like my NS stories to be a little bit more complex. Let's say. But I still had fun with this. I'm giving it a strong skim. I don't know if I'll bother to come back for more, but. You know, I wasn't sad that I read it.
2: I think I'm going to err on the side of I also like my NS with a little more depth to it. And this felt unfinished. This felt like they, like they had a plot. And, and the plot's clever. Don't get me wrong. But then they filled all the word bubbles with as many cuss words as they could to the point where it was just like devolved into childish bullshit. And we're like, fuckity fuck, you fuck wit. And you're like, I don't. Yeah. Right. Don't yeah. yeah that, that is true. Like, come on. And also I'm not like crude or anything, but that's like, yeah, you could have given us a little more of the character, a little more of what's going on, but they just sort of chose these sight gags and the art while very good, I would argue there was a lot of it where like no background at all just like solid blue sky in the background as we're looking out over the ocean. And it, I don't know. I, a lot of what I've read from AWA has felt like ideas that these creators have maybe pitched somewhere else, but not totally oh, finished go. and just sort of said, yeah, I'll, I'll fire out this book and not really care about it. Cause this doesn't feel like Garth Ennis cares a whole lot about this script. It feels like he wrote this quickly as cheeky as possible just to fill some pages. And it was fine. It was fine at best. I like, I'm giving this a low skim it because I just don't think there's a lot here. And I don't know where it, where he goes with incremental it. rating system. Well, I can't say leave it because it's like, I yeah, I mean like the art is good and the idea is really
0: good. There's just not anything here below the surface. I think another problem is that they spent so Anna spent so much time explaining the mechanics right that he didn't really have enough room left over to actually advance much yeah like like the, there's like four
2: pages of her in this tomb you know in ancient egypt where we're setting up that she's a time child or whatever where you have this priest that's prattling on and on and on and on while she has a few boxes of narrative dialogue to explain who she is. And it's just like, you spent a lot of time doing that instead of making me care about the characters at all, other than they cuss a lot and it's really violent. It feels like the boy's light is what it feels like. Like it's, Oh, you like, you like violence and you like the F word and you like boobs. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, well, here no, it is with nothing fair. below the surface. And I just, I felt this way about a lot of AWA books. I mean, I can barely. I'm lowest skimmet I can give it.
0: Wow. All right. Well, I I don't necessarily agree that it looked unfinished, but I do agree with a lot of the criticisms that you you mentioned about the right. I mean, the art uh, is very good. It just
2: felt like there wasn't a lot of background stuff going on in a
0: lot of that. I, I mean, know. there's there are there are panels with no background. but yeah. You know that happens. There are also very detailed panels of the interior of a Egyptian. Pyramid Doom. So, yeah, I mean... I, I don't
1: know. It's it time to tear it. the band-aid off and talk about Heroes Reborn number one from Marvel. <laughs> the biggest
2: right. story of the week. This is written by Jason Aaron with art by Ed McGuinness. Marvel's big summer event begins here and it takes place in a Marvel U where the Squadron Supreme are the Earth's greatest heroes and no one but Blade remembers the Avengers. What? Here's my best Marvel assistant editor impression. If you've been reading Aaron's latest Avengers run, then you would know that the Phoenix Force ran amok and changed reality. Mighty Membran Matt, we get a look at Doctor Juggernaut, the Silver Witch, all gone. I'm pretty sure they would just call you Memory Matt. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) I like the. I went for the three M's. Okay, I'm working it here. The Membran. Yeah, that sounds filthy. Mighty Membran Matt, the Black Skull, and. President Coulson, <laughs> who watches America's heroes do their stuff while in Blade, investigates whatever happened to the Earth's greatest heroes. Yes, this is an event book and an attempt to put a stranglehold on the comic market share by putting more Marvel books on the shelf, both real and digital. But I gotta say, this was a market improvement from Aaron's Avengers. Ed McGuinness is a perfect example of one of those artists that Joe and I talked about recently on Cover to Cover who have taken what fans love about their style and art and turned it up to 11. But here, he seems to have relaxed his cartoon anime style just a little bit, and it looks great. There's still rippling muscles and blood vessels that impossibly bulge through steel armor, but it wasn't as over the top as most of his recent art.
0: Okay, I do not agree with that statement.
2: This read like two creators cut loose and allowed to tell a big bombastic Marvel story that will be neatly wrapped up at the end of June. But it looks like it's going to be a fun ride. I had a lot of fun with this first issue. I'm giving it a
0: buy it. Yes. Uh, you know, at first, as I was reading it, I was like, this is very strange. Like n- the concept alternate universe, I- alternate timeline. That's nothing new. No, that's nothing new in comics. And that's not what I'm talking about. But I was kind of taken aback by the style of the dialogue. And then it kind of clicked for me. Where I said, oh, this is like an idealized world. Absolutely. That's that revolves around the Squadron Supreme as these like almost Silver Age. Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Paragons. Yeah. Right. Uh, Exactly. Mightiest Heroes. Yeah. Obviously things aren't right, and some characters know it, and Agent Colson, pardon me, President Colson. He certainly uh, seems like he's in on it. He's de well, he's definitely in on it. If you've been reading Jason Aaron's Avengers, that's not even a spoiler. Yeah. Uh there's a lot going on between behind Colson and his rise to fake power. And it rhymes with Smith Smith Shmishmishto. <laughs>
2: shmif Stifsto. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, uh, once it clicked for me, like, oh, yeah, they're talking this way because it's like an aw, shucks, gee whiz kind of world where right. Peter Parker's a cub reporter for the Daily Bugle and Hyperion, as a teenager, worked with the Imperial Guard, which is a stand in for the Legion of Superheroes. Yeah. So, yeah, it fits in that way. Uh, as far as the art, Ed McGinnis' art being toned down, no. Absolutely not. I felt not like it down. wasn't as insane as usual. No, it is just as insane. But I mean, I've always loved Ed McGinnis. Yeah. So his art is not the problem. His art has never been a problem for me. In the lead up to Heroes Reborn, we talked a lot uh, uh, during cover to cover for a couple of weeks in a row about what the hell it's supposed to be. And at first we were like, it looks like Marvel's just amalgaming, they're amalgamating themselves. And then it came out that it was no, it's an alternate timeline where the Avengers never formed. Well, the reality is it's both. It's because you've got, you know, Dr. Juggernaut and the right. Silver Witch, right? You've got characters whose origins are merged because of the Avengers not being around. You
2: know? I like the black skull. He was cool. <laughs> Venom, black
0: skull, yeah. Black Venom skull and is the red cool. skull. Yeah, it was fun. And so, yeah, this was, this was interesting. And I had a good time with it. You want to talk about market share. Not only is this event book weekly, but there are 8 billion tie-ins. Oh, yeah. And they all start next week. Now, several
2: not, of them not all written, of them, but
0: a bunch. Several of them are
2: by creators that I'm excited for.
0: And I, I'd like to see what they're going to do. A lot of them look really fun. Yeah. You know, uh, like I, I mentioned that Imperial Guard one. I'm all over that. I totally. think Chris Sprouse is drawing it. Yes. And
2: like, when was the last time Sprouse drew something? He's been gone for a while. I know. I know.
0: And yeah, so I'm giving this a buy it. Uh, I will we'll see if Aaron sticks the landing because I have not really been enjoying his adventures. No, I have not either. I, I, and like,
2: look, if this is the big payoff and when we're done with this. We're done with Avengers Mountain, and we're done with the Phoenix bullshit, and we're done with all like, and we could just get back to it kinder,
1: simpler Avengers. Then fine, <laughs> let's just do it, please. <laughs> sure, sure. My final review goes
0: to Eve Number One from Boom Studios. This is written by Victor Laval or Levi Laval. I'm gonna say Laval with art by Joe Mi Young, and I am. Pronouncing that wrong, undoubtedly, but it's M-I hyphen G-Y-E-O-N-G. This is what we do here, Joe. Look
2: okay, we're two look, illiterate white guys.
0: <laughs> you know go. what? <laughs> you can You can plug a word into Google and it'll pronounce it for you. You can't do it with names. I'm sorry. This features a young girl named Eve who lives in a bunker with her dad who appears to be some sort of scientist, and they are in the bunker for reasons unknown. They, she wanders around this island, you know, talking to herself like kids do. I found that to be very relatable. I did that as a youth as well when I was playing outside by myself. They eat dinner together and they put up, you know, scenes from the world on their big screen, you know, like New Orleans or Paris or wherever they're interested in that, that day. And, you know, it's fun and it's cute. And then you learn that Eve is actually stuck in a tube alone. In a different bunker, and the world has gone to shit. Yeah, it's very Matrix. It is very Matrix. I thought the art by—I'm just going to say Joe because I don't want to do that again—was pretty excellent. Uh, the his art is kind of exaggerated in a, in a strange and and interesting way. Like his his characters are distorted in just a, a slightly inhuman way, not in a grotesque way, but it's very exaggerated. I thought that uh, the island looked very cool, of course, it's all a simulation. New Orleans is underwater. We don't know what happened. The themes are obvious. you know laval Laval's wife is a climate writer, he says in the back matter, so he obviously wanted to tackle the themes of climate change. I thought it was really interesting. I think the premise is solid. I thought the art was great. I'm giving Eve number one a buy it.
2: Yeah, I really like this. I think it was it's super clever, and it's the kind of thing where you could see them pitching this as a TV show that would write itself. they like dystopian future, fish out of water, pardon the pun, you know, like dropped into the situation trying to figure out why am I here, what's going on with this, and how am I going to deal with it? The art was excellent. It's little choices like putting black people in sci-fi stories like this that we haven't seen a lot of. Up yeah we don't get it a lot recently and there's no goddamn reason there's no reason like if you think about lovecraft country which was basically black people in the main roles in a horror story and that's what set it off and, and that's what blew people's minds about it and i'm glad we're doing stories like this and not doing it in the sense where it's in your face like look we're trying to do something for everybody you know or we're doing something to make a racial statement or something like this is just a well-told story that happens to star a little black girl in a dystopian universe. And I really enjoyed
1: it. I'm giving it a huge buy.
0: That's it for our reviews, but we like to each pick one that makes it into the THN collection. Matt, which one of these comics is getting bagged and boarded this week?
2: Our previous cover-to-cover cover book club was Seeing the Crime. We've been talking about crime noir a lot, and The Good Asian just hit me. Hit me in a perfect spot. Like I said, 100. I've been catching up on uh, Warrior, which is a wonderful show if you haven't seen it. And this book just nailed it. It was so well done. Super So perfectly written, paying such close attention to a history that really isn't spoken about. I, the good age, ran away with no question.
0: One hundred percent, I agree wholeheartedly. I love it.
2: It's time to head up. To the TGN Sanctum Sanctorum, where science and sorcery are but mere children's toys we use to divine the secrets of next week's comics. Because if you're a master scientist and sorcerer, you get bored, right? You know? Yeah. Yeah, we could solve world hunger, but I want to know what I want to read next week. Joe! What is it? What is it, Tuesday? What is your must-read pick for next week?
0: Next week, I am excited for X-Corp number one from Marvel Comics, written by Tiny Howard with art by Alberto Foce. It's 48 pages for $4.99. Here's your solicit. Krakoa is for closers. The deals have been made. kind is safe on Krakoa. As the reign of X continues, what are the wants of the mutants who have everything? Leading the charge is X-Corporation headed by CXOs, Monet St. Croix and Warren Worthington III, better known as M and Archangel. A duo as cutthroat and ruthless in the boardroom as they are on the battlefield, but X Corp needs more than just its figureheads as Monet sets out to staff their team with some of the brightest and most deviant minds in mutant kind. Warren finds himself in a tense meeting with one of Krakoa's first allies who wants to know the truth. On Angel's wings, will X Corp crash or soar? X Corp is a concept introduced by, it was, I want to say it was Grant Morrison that did it. I think so. But also, um, I believe uh, that it got touched on in Joe Casey's uh, Uncanny as well, a little bit. Uh, basically, it is like the X Men with satellite offices all around the world. Operating more or less like a business. Yeah. The X-Corp title was announced forever ago, but because of COVID and things, it got pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. It's finally here. I'm very excited. I love the idea of X-Corp. I like Tiny Howard. Can't
2: wait. Not to be confused with X-Corps. C-O-R-P-S, a short short-lived paramilitary team led by Banshee. There you go very they, true no they did later merge with the x corporation after their dissolution <laughs> i'm reading wikipedia right now wow <laughs> first appeared new x-men volume two number 128 so yeah grant morrison there Graham you go morrison right my pick for next week is house of lost horizons number one of five from dark horse comics written by mike McNola and chris roberson with art by Layla del duca It's 32 pages, it's $3.99, and it shows you, hey, these guys, they don't just do Hellboy stories. Here's your solicit. A locked room murder mystery puzzles paranormal detective Sarah Jewell and her associate Marie Therese. When a weekend trip on a private island off the coast of Washington goes astray, Trapped by a storm and surrounded by myriad suspects Who have gathered for an auction of occult items The intrepid duo must unravel the supernatural mysteries Surrounding the guests in hopes of uncovering the murderer But all the while, bodies keep piling up And in any moment, Sarah or Marie Therese could be next Mike Mignola and Chris Roberson return to the world of Hellboy Accompanied, oh, I <laughs> take it all back Accompanied <laughs> by artist Leela Del Duca and colorist Michelle Madsen Investigator Sarah Jewell, Rise of the Black Flame. Oh. Uh, she's a character from those books. Yes. Rise of the Black Flame. Okay. Gets her own series in this murder mystery with an occult twist. I forgot she did come out of there. So this is fun. I'm in. I don't care.
0: I love the art. It's fun. I love these. this creative team. I'm in. Well, and as you, when you said they don't just do Hellboy stories, I was going to say, but they do do nothing but supernatural mysteries. Yes. That's their and jam. And then it ended up being a Hellboy story. I get
2: it. <laughs> you know, like that is their jam. Wayne Gretzky, his no, no, no. hockey hey, books. <laughs> these guys write occult stories. <laughs> yeah. And it, look,
0: no shade, man. I love them. Although love Gretzky golfs
2: a lot more now than he plays hockey, but whatever.
0: I get it. I get it. The THN trade for next week goes to Breath of Bones, a tale of the golem trade paperback from Dark Horse Comics is it Gollum or golem i mean golem i guess sure it's 80 pages for 1999 which is not great uh but hey it's written by steve niles with art by dave wachter beautiful good lord beautiful art by dave walker here is the short and sweet solicit a british plane crashes down in a jewish village sparking a nazi invasion Using clay and mud from the river, the villagers bring to life a giant monster to battle for their freedom and future.
2: So for those, talk- who, for those who don't know, the golem is sort of, it's an old school Jewish thing where they- It's like, a
0: Jewish folk tale.
2: Right. Right? Jewish like folk, folk tale world. about this creature that they gave life to made out of clay that, per- that saved a village more or less that was under attack. And Frankenstein would be- like a story that was later. Like an allegory. For yes, golem, an allegory for the golem, for the golem and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And man, Dave Wachter's art.
0: Holy it's, shit,
2: that guy. is it's something else. It's, yeah. it's
0: really next level. It, it's very beautiful. I, now, we talked about this on Cover to Cover some weeks back when we were talking about Steve Niles. Yes, and I totally forgot. This was a thing
2: that Steve Niles did
0: yeah it came up on the show that was I think really good. I, it was it was I want to say it was J.D got a catch that mentioned it, it yeah I'm, I'm probably got that wrong I'm sorry no if I, did. I think you're right I think you're right but yeah it's uh it's just a fun little three- issue miniseries that has been out of print forever right. forever and now it's back in this handy little sleek volume and it it's a really gorgeous book it's a gorgeous series check it out. You can find our complete review list
2: every Wednesday on our Twitter and Facebook if you want to read along with us. Hit up your local comic shop, pre-order these comics so you can play along too, kids. And don't forget, we've got a new THN Take a Look. It's in a book club read for this month. We're going to be reading Seven Secrets, Volume 1 from Boom. We threatened to read it last time, but we neglected the fact that the Miller World was getting its Netflix it's netflix it's unveiling debut. if you will its debut debut as they like to say yes so seven secrets volume 1 we're going to reach out to one maybe two lucky listeners and get you to read along with us watch for that invite coming soon kitties
0: speaking of take a look it's in the book club each month we pick a graphic novel to read and review with one of our buddies sometimes more. And this month, it was Mark Miller's Jupiter's Legacy to get ready for the new Netflix show dropping this Friday. Who better to celebrate the launch of the Middle World Netflix deal than someone who lives, you know, on or near the same island, our friend, stately it's, Lord Fungus. It's the same island. Scotland's just Isn't Scotland forward. a separate island? No. It's connected. <laughs>
3: Ireland's, Ireland's a separate, a separate island. Separate. Okay, well,
0: listen. I knew it was one of them. Wow, geography I don't major. I live there. <laughs> my god. I was Matt. I majored in art. I don't know geography. I'm kidding when I called you a geography major. <laughs> oh my god.
2: Daily Lord Fungus, better known as Ian. Thank you for joining us, sir. From the new mushroom manor, was it a pain to move all those mushrooms or did they just regrow when you moved? It, they just regrew. The that, books, they were a bastard. That's yeah. The mushrooms
3: <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The, the yeah. were fine. That is it's the magic of fungus, longer, though. Yeah, is it sex offenders register? Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, it's it's a, it's yeah, it's it's a hell of a it's a hell of a thing we've got sort of all records and books and yeah. You'll see you'll both see it when I, when you come over.
2: Can't wait. Super excited. As soon as I can travel again. again. We are here today to talk about Jupiter's Legacy, which is going to hit Netflix this Friday, where it's the first of the Miller World adaptations from his comics to screen. But as we were just discussing before we started, this was not the first one announced. It was going to be the Magic Order. And for some reason, correct. the Magic Order got pushed back. Correct. We'll see. Now, the Magic Order and Jupiter's Legacy, I think, have both put out about the same amount of issues. In a year, which is like four or five. So
3: (laughs) (laughs) no, you know, Miller, Miller, uh, Miller
0: world titles are not known for their punctuality necessarily.
3: So let's they just. They are known for their variants. Yeah,
2: exactly. So yeah, let's just start with. There's about 62 variants. Yeah.
0: <laughs> let's just start with the setup for the
2: book. In mid century America, the world's greatest superheroes face epic threats in public while battling private scandals behind closed doors. Now adapted into a big budget Netflix original series, Get In On The Ground Floor, yada, yada, yada. This collects Jupiter's Circle one through six. To make things even more confusing, there it is.
0: There this it title is.
2: first came out as a miniseries called jupiter's circle a netflix no, no, deal no. was penned
0: oh well this uh, yes
2: okay. this series
0: let's let's back it up because obviously i am we're both talking over each other and confused in different ways uh jupiter's legacy was the original series that took place in the present day drawn by frank quietly correct about the children of the superheroes dealing with the world that their parents had created so uh and so this volume actually reprints jupiter's circle volume one which is the prequel series and in a very helpful fashion image has rebranded the entire run so that it's all jupiter's legacy and instead of being volume whatever this is volume one now (laughs) yeah so you know hey comics
2: So here we are, and if you really want to figure it out, this one is written by Miller with art by Wilfredo Torres. So if you see Wilfredo Torres on the cover, you're reading the right one. You did it. (laughs) Yes, you did it. So we've all read a lot of Mark Miller, and some we've been Joe and I have been pretty critical about a lot of Miller's superhero stories. Ian, how do you feel about Miller's superhero work?
3: Um, I mean, I should I should preface this by by saying that he, he. he actually got into a Twitter spat with a good friend of mine who's a, a, local, a local friend of mine. And uh, he called a friend of mine a, something like a, a snivelling young boy or something. The guy's <laughs> the same age as me. He, he's a very, very opinionated, very rude. Right. But, no, my friend. My friend's lovely. He's great. Um, but not Miller, this is. He's a, he's a very opinionated, very rude, but yet strangely very respected um, creator.
2: He's a bit UK. of a codger, right? As you guys would call him, if you will. A
3: codger. A codger. No, a codger is an old, an old dude. Well, I mean, oh, but he mean comes like off
2: a, that way, kind of prickly and sort of like like a curmudgeon. A curmudgeon. Okay, a curmudgeon that's better. Sure. All right. Yeah, and not like to downplay sort of, uh, your friend's fame, but I think he gets in a lot of Twitter spats. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. it's it seems I, like it's
0: one when I, <laughs> I think in the UK they'd probably be more comfortable calling him a different c-word. Fair enough. That that flies pretty free and loose around there.
2: I think also if you check his <laughs> yeah, D and yeah, I'm not
3: going to say. I'm not gonna
0: no, we're ahead. not
2: going to say that. No. I think if you check his skill sheet, he has a plus <laughs> no, five no. to Twitter spats. But this is not to say that like I have not disliked a lot of his work. I just think Miller has a yeah. tendency to lean into the snark, especially when it
0: comes to his superhero uh, work. He's uh, he's got like a cynicism. Yes. Uh, uh, it's it's very it's kind of similar to like. Garth Ennis's approach, uh, or Garth Ennis's um, stance on superheroes, except that Garth Ennis is capable of writing superheroes in a in a deconstructed way, but in a in a way that still has heart.
2: And I guess that's the next uh, thing I wanted to jump to. Like a lot, I of-
0: feel like Miller's yeah. Miller when he is deconstructing superheroes or super powered stories, it's all it's all snark and almost never heart like right now, wanted or nemesis you know
2: i think a lot of people are comparing this to the boys without seeing it yet saying oh okay mm, this no. is this is what netflix is doing to combat amazon's the boys the comics could not be more different in this case and i would argue this story which where we see utopian and the group which is basically a justice league homage they're even like Living in what looks to be
1: It is exactly
2: the Hall of Justice. It's the Hall of Justice, (laughs) right? No question. And they're all sort of like the Utopian is a Superman homage. And I can't remember the woman's name.
3: Uh his wife. Lady Liberty. Lady Liberty is very Lady Liberty and Sky Sky Fox is Batman. Very much uh, so. Blue
0: Blue Bolt is kind of a Green Lantern. But I would argue
2: this book had a lot less of that snark to it, and some more kind of like pointed criticism of history at the time
0: yeah well and it's also uh, it's also that it's it's not um it's kind of like a madman madman-esque like if this were happening in the 1950s of of real world america if suddenly people showed up with superpowers right there yes, there'd be a closeted gay one. Yes, there'd be infidelity. Yes, there'd be, sure. you know, they'd be like abusing their status for fame and and whatever. Like and not that they're necessarily bad people, it's but they are definitely like enjoying the fruits of their success of their of their efforts. Um, and also there's a lot of like real world stuff uh present in all of their lives that you would not see in like a A silver age justice league story even one even one that was like written in that era from the present day i i would i feel like like if you look at something like um jla year one or you know something something like that where it's like here's an examination of this team uh this team's origin through a modern lens we're not gonna we're not gonna see barry allen cheating on iris or right you and, know, it's not, we're not going to get that kind of stuff. This also has like characters like Catherine Hepburn is in the story and Liberace yeah,
2: it, yeah. is here. J. Edgar Hoover. And I, I think the setup was really cool in the sense that when you first start reading it, it, it very much seems like it's going to be, to me anyway, it seemed like it was going to be like an Astro city type story where it's sort of this throwback to the golden age, but there was like a realness to the heroes that we're going to see now, like their real life whatnot. But it's almost more of like documentarian. The way he's telling the story, and I think Wilfredo Torres, who is just awesome by the way, is the perfect choice to do something like this because he has a very sort of Mike Mignola meets well, R.I.P. John Paul Leon type style almost, (laughs) where it like very thin line, almost cartoony, but it works really well for the emotional stuff too. Like the story starts off with one of the characters who's, a, who's basically a green lantern homage fighting a giant squid, very starro, if you will. And the next panel, we see him in bed, smoking a cigarette after having sex with another man. So it immediately just goes, Nope, not going to be that kind of story. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs>
3: yeah, It's interesting. It's interesting. You, you, I was just sort of formulating my my, my thoughts just while you you guys were chatting, and you you, you basically covered everything I was going to say. So I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, no, uh, stop it! Uh, you well, no, so, um, in get book. in here. Talk. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> no, I think one of the things about Miller, I think. Well, Why Miller's so polarising and why he annoys so many people? If you just take a step back a second, and this this there's a reason to be saying this. For every... You're absolutely right. He's he's the snark. Him and Garth Ennis are the two sides of the same coin. And he is the snark. And Ennis is accused of having maybe a bit more heart. Now, you get to the end of The Boys without any spoilers whatsoever. But there is, you know, a, a twist at the end of The Boys, which reveals a... And especially when you read Dear Becky, the sequel, uh, there is a, or the prequel, I should say, there is, there is heart there that Ennis has no problem injecting into his stories whatsoever. And, and Miller always seems to struggle. He's fantastic at writing anything that's going to be turned into a show. Yeah. He's cinematic. He, he's cinematic from the off, and it's absolutely brilliant. But then he'll go and do something like Starlight, and you'll go... Oh, yes, loved it. God, I loved that. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, and you think, hang on, the guy, is the guy the guy's capable of a lot more than this. Is he just trolling us? <laughs> is he just trying to piss <laughs> right. us it's off? Like... The guy is really capable here of, 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 of writing from the heart. And I think one of the other things that's really interesting is listening to you, you guys chatting about it from the perspective... Oh, lord
0: fungus we are so glad to have you back in the ziggurat on a regular basis you can look forward to more from stately himself hopefully very soon right here on this program and if you want to hear the whole review we talked for over an hour like we do you can support us on patreon for as little as one dollar a month and get in on all of our other bonus content as well As Matt said, next month's book club read is Seven Secrets, Volume 1, from Boom Studios.
2: Excelsior! That is it for THN 619! Next week, the Cosmic Longbox returns, and we are being sucked back to the most 90 Marvel event that ever happened in the 90s! Heroes Reborn,
0: Volume
2: 1! just looking at the art made my skin crawl
0: i can't wait <laughs> i mean the good news is we're just doing the number 1 issue
1: yeah, so
2: we'll, we don't have to like we'll, we'll,
0: i'm sure we're going to relive a lot of this whether we like it or not
2: <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> until such time joe patrick remind these nerds about the question of the week that we've been discussing for almost
0: goddamn month that's not true well, maybe we Yeah, it, <laughs> it is. Right. It'll be a month. <laughs> this week's question was submitted by a friend of the show, Zach Hollowell. Pitch your dream series, any character or team, artist and writer, living or dead. Bonus points if you also pitch the first storyline, but don't feel like you have to do that. Well, that's why they're but bonus points. You don't say that. <laughs> it's, look, bonus. it's extra credit. If you don't you want know, the bonus, don't go for it. Some people feel pressured. You can't, you put pressure on people to do it. so That's the idea. Yeah, you know you do. I pressure you, know you
2: jerks. Do. And you have to prove yourself to us if you want to be cool. That's just how it
0: works. That's life uh, on the playground, baby. Look, you don't have to do the uh, bonus question, but we do encourage you to get weird with it. Like, I want some blue sky thinking here, yeah, folks. let's go crazy. Uh, we do still need question of the week suggestions, so please do what Zach did and send them to us via... Email or Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Uh, The forums, of course, we still have those. And if you want to wrap about this week's episode or any of the weekly nerd news we're following, hit us on our live call-in show, THN Cover to Cover, every Saturday at 11 Central Time, posted on our Facebook page. You can call us at 402-819-4894 or join the Zoom live by clicking on the link in our Facebook video chat. If you can't be there live or you want to submit anything, for the show segment that includes an answer to the question of the week you can shoot an mp3 to two nerd at gmail.com or leave a voicemail on the hotline and you will be internet famous I checked the voicemail throughout the entire show so if you call and we don't answer it's not because we don't love you it's yeah. because there are reasons but I will make sure to check the email and if you get it in before we cut it off you're in baby However, if you do send in an mp3 or leave a voicemail, we do ask that you keep it two minutes or less. we got to share the air with all the nerds out there.
2: If you're new to this show and you also have no idea where on the globe Scotland is, I assure you it's only because you haven't heard enough and don't know how maps work. The good news is I was in the ballpark. You can hear the entire run of THN in our digital long box archive at TwoHeadedNerd.com, but hosting that many episodes in a cheap, so we want to thank donors like our newest patron,
0: Stephen. No, sorry. Not, not newest patron. Just say like our patron, Steven.
2: Fuck it. Our newest patron,
0: Stephen Rippett. <laughs> He's been with us for a while. He's I don't care. Let's just misrepresent him, Steve. Way to hey, go, man. <laughs> welcome aboard, Stephen. Welcome aboard. You did it. Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to Marvel Comics and Disney for understanding that Wednesday is, in fact, new comic book day and for announcing that their next MCU show, Loki, will premiere on Wednesday, June 9th, and will come out on Wednesdays every week. I love it. I love it. It's the right thing to do right. and like, a smart way to look, do it. Look, man,
2: Friday's good enough. It's weekend. We got shit going on. And I think they're like, people are going back to work, so they're not going to be watching TV on Fridays as much anymore. Put it on man. Wednesday. <laughs>
0: Like, people are going to be home on Wednesdays. <laughs> Word to you guys and put that in your pipe and smoke it, DC. New Comic
2: Tuesday. Get the fuck out of here. And until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics. Your retailer might just tell you to come back on New Comic Thursday. This is the Two-Headed Nerd
0: signing off. You laugh, but that used to be a thing.
2: Yeah, I remember. Thursday was the day. When it moved to Wednesday, I was like, this is bullshit.
0: I'm out. I'm
2: done. <laughs>